Hey, coming up tonight on your favorite podcast, Peak Cinema's back. Lauren, Ryan here, and I'm pumped for this one because this is one of my choices. We are going to watch Point Break from 1991. Patrick Swayze, Keanu Reeves, Gary Busey, Utah, give me two, give me two. Huge, uh, huge film of my youth, and obviously it continues to be one of my all-time favorites, so I'm super excited to get into this one tonight. I have a gut feeling they're going to hate it, just me, because when I like something, it's usually without fail, Ryan hates it, so we're going to go with that tonight. That's just going to be my theory going in, but point break rules, don't care what anybody says. Uh, Lauren's also here tonight. She's got a bone to pick with the Oscars committee. We're going to let her have it. Uh, she gets to go after the Academy. We're going to give her the floor for the opening couple minutes of the pod tonight. She's going to uh, no doubt uh, tear somebody apart as she uh, brings her views to the uh, to the to the Oscar pod. We have an Oscar pod coming up in a few weeks. We know that too. So this will be the primer for that as well. So Point Break, Peak Cinema tonight on the pod. Hey, good evening. How you doing? Happy Sunday. It's the Tim Anderson Podcast. I'm Tim. That is my buddy Rhino, who I have spent a lot of time with in the last um, five days or so. I feel like we've hung out a lot, Rhino, but it's good to see you again on the pod. Yeah, it's good to be here. You know what? I'll be honest, though. It never feels like a long time. It's always good to hang out with you, Tim. And you know, I feel the same way. I feel the same way. It's a delight. Uh, we were together, what, nine hours yesterday, uh, nine, ten hours. And then we were together another five, six, Friday, Thursday. I mean, it just never ends between uh, us speech coaches and broadcasters and all that good stuff. But it's good having you here. Thanks for being here. Uh, we also have to say we are joined, because it's peak cinema, by the lovely and talented, the the resident feminist of our podcast, Lauren <laughs> Nelson Kane. You know, we've worked Allison in in recent weeks, but Lauren, you're still the resident feminist of this podcast. I, <laughs> I don't think Allison's going to fight us for that. I, I don't think Allison will fight you for it either. I think that's all you, I think you remain resident feminist here at the podcast. We, we can call there Allison can the adjunct. <laughs> She's the adjunct feminist of the podcast. <laughs> feminist you know, adjacent. Like, <laughs> it would be a good I would one. like this podcast to, um, to influence the Oscars directing category in that there can be more than one woman. Um, representing. So bitter. You know what? So much bitterness. I'm I'm gonna let you have it. You know, we before we get started tonight, obviously means it's peak cinema. We're doing Point Break from 1991, the Catherine Bigelow directed, James Cameron produced, uh, smash cult classic featuring Patrick Swayze and Keanu Reeves. Uh, very, very, uh, again, it's, it's, it's historic film. Basically now we're moving on 34 years, 33 years ago. This movie was made, which mind boggling to me, just absolutely mind boggling that it's that old. Um, and of course it's a great chance for us to talk Keanu, great chance for us to talk Patrick Swayze tonight, which we're going to do. But Lauren, <laughs> this week, the Oscar nominations came out and you have thoughts. <sighs> I have thought. Ryan and I are going to concede the f- we're going to concede the floor to you. <laughs> the floor is yours. Go, Lauren. 
I am irate, and I don't think I am the only person who is irate. First of all, I want to start by saying there are nominations that I expected, but I am still very happy to be seeing, uh, like Lily Gladstone in Killers of the Flower Moon. Is She makes that movie what it is. She gives just the most phenomenal performance, and granted, I have not seen Poor Things yet, but I really hope she wins. Um. And, and, you know, like, we expected, um, like, uh, Barbie in uh, in some of the visual awards, which is fantastic, and I'm glad we got those. I was really surprised by America Ferreira getting nominated for Barbie. I'm happy about that. I do still think Divine Joy Randolph is going to win, and I will be very happy with that win. All of that being said, all of these these positive things that we saw, there are so many so many snubs and I'm usually the type of person who's like you know what snubs are snubs it's just hard there are lots of good movies and this year was particularly hard and I totally get that but (laughs) the severe lack of love for past lives uh, a movie that uh, uh, came out like at the beginning of 2023 and has been consistently discussed for the last year. Um, It's nominated for, I believe best picture and screenplay. Apparently nobody made that movie and no one was in it. Isn't that crazy? (laughs) In addition to that, I, my big, my big issue. And I think a lot of people's big issue with Barbie is that Greta Gerwig was not nominated for best director. My problem with that is that if Barbie gets nominated for anything at all, it should be direction. The triumph of that movie is direction. That movie in the hands of another director is a shit movie about shitty, stupid things. But she took it and she crafted this beautiful art piece that was also commercially successful. That movie is kind of like a marvel uh, that we do not see anymore. And uh, the fact that it's nominated for Oscars at all is crazy. And the reason it's nominated for Oscars at all is because of Greta Gerwig. And it infuriates me to no end that she is one of the few people involved in the movie who is not getting recognized for her work in it. That makes me so upset. Um, Same goes for uh, Celine Song in her directorial debut of Past Lives. Anyways, um, uh, those are the two those are the two b- big snubs that really bother me. What also bothers me is the lack of love for the movie May December, which I I'm telling you right now the reason that nobody nominated May December for fucking anything is because uh it is a movie about maybe the unethical creation and consumption of biopics, something the Oscars love to do. Okay? They'd love to nominate that shit. They nominated Maestro, maybe the worst movie I've seen all year. And how can you possibly nominate Maestro and May December at the same time? You can't. So they didn't. Charles Melton gave the single best performance I saw all last year. Not not in the supporting actor category. All, period. Period. The single best performance I saw all last year. And he was not nominated because that's what the movie is about. And they simply had to circle jerk maestro that's really that's really what they needed to do they needed to give bradley cooper his moment but for what he's not going to win anything because that movie already had bradley cooper's moment i was just going to say didn't bradley cooper get moments 
No, we haven't yet. That's why he made this shit-ass movie. This this Oscar bait movie that says nothing and is nothing and does nothing, but they're going to throw him a bone left and right because some of it's in black and white. It's just like... Didn't he get love and, for A Star is Born? He, like, didn't he get he love for that? He didn't. That's the problem. Mm. He should have. He should have. That's another conversation. The 2018 Oscars. We might do a whole pod on that. Villain origin story. Awful. <laughs> awful. From start to finish. But like that, he should have been recognized for that film and he wasn't. And so they're making it up for Maestro, but he's not going to win anything because that movie is bad and it should feel bad because it's bad. <sighs> I, I, I'm totally on board. I, I support this 100%. How are you feeling? Okay. Okay. Please. Absolutely. Yes. Please keep firing. This is great. A24 is a studio that consistently produces some of the best movies that we have seen recently. And they uh, won every single acting category and best picture last year. So tell me why they didn't put any money into promoting Past Lives or Priscilla or Iron Claw for Oscar nominations. I don't know. Because those those should be the big movies we're talking about right now. And they're not. Priscilla got no love. Iron Claw got no love. Uh, Past Lives, it's like they barely paid attention to it. All the movies that I really, really watched this year and really, really cared about and was really excited to see, those are the movies that got snubbed this year. And what we're left with is Oppenheimer's going to win everything. And I have not seen it yet. I'm sure it's amazing. But that's where we are. In the year of the Barbie movie. Year of our Lord 2024. Oppenheimer is going to win fucking everything. Well, I guess it makes sense, right? Because some would argue the film industry has been in need of an atomic bomb uh, (laughs) for a number of years. And maybe it makes sense that it's coming around now. (sighs) Look, look, I'm sure that movie is fantastic. I'm sure it is. Everybody says it's great. It's great. And I'm sure that it's one of Christopher Nolan's bests, and that's great. And I don't want to hate on the movie or hate on him. It just fucking kills me. (laughs) Because there are movies that should be recognized that aren't. There are people that should be recognized that aren't. And it's just so obvious. It's so obvious. They need to rethink it. They just need to rethink the whole thing. I'd blow up the whole operation restart because we we clearly... it's, It's one of those things where... I do worry about like, sometimes you stop seeing the forest for the trees. Like yes. that's what's happened. I think that is what's happened in, in film, in television, in politics, it just feels, business I mean, culture, you name it. It feels out of touch. It feels out of touch with reality. It feels out of touch with, um, what people enjoy. And I'm not, and I get like critics are critics and whatever, uh, this isn't this isn't for you know the general public might not have seen these movies or whatever but what i've always used the oscars for is a way to see the best of the best that came out this year you know because these movies are not always widely released or widely promoted and what i'm left with in this particular year is like yeah these are some great movies but not all of them are the best and See, the best were missed. And the Oscars in my youth used to represent truly the best movies. You know, yeah. uh, 
you think of the years Tom Hanks had in the nineties and you were like, yeah, Apollo 13 is awesome. Uh, you know, Forrest Gump was great. Shawshank Redemption's great. Pulp Fiction's great. And you know what? They were also great in the movie, like the movie, people liked them. They went to the movies, they saw them and they yeah. said, wow, these are great movies, right? These movies now are like, well, you know, I mean, Oppenheimer excluding, excluding Oppenheimer. Cause I think a lot of people saw that and a lot of people liked it. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, how many people do you know really saw Killers in the Flower Moon? Like, how many people do you know? I well, mean, I don't know. I don't, I don't know very many people who have. I don't know very many people who have. That's all I'm saying. That's what's hard is that. So Killers of the Flower Moon is is a fantastic movie, but it's obscenely long. It's like 78 hours long. Uh, it's really, it's really, really long. The one that kills me is Zone of Interest or American Fiction. Dude, I don't even know what those movies are about. Nope, got nothing. Never heard of it. I didn't, I Can't didn't speak even to hear it. about them until awards season, and they're not playing anywhere near us. So, like, how would I form an opinion? It's just, I don't know. The whole thing has always been kind of like elitist and annoying trash, and I got to take it with a grain of salt. I feel like it has to clear a threshold, right? Like, yeah. it's like with the Grammys or music or whatever it is. It's like, you can't just... Put out, a, I mean, uh, uh, what's that name of that shitty ass group that had a run there for a couple years uh, that had a <laughs> big album of the year that I was like, never heard of these guys. Bon Iver, maybe it's Bon Iver, right? Bon Iver well, excluded. I like, I like Bon Iver. Yeah, is it Bon well, Iver? Is it Bon Iver? I don't freaking know. But the point is, minus them, most albums like in the Grammy Award conversation have to have some degree of commercial success. Have to. You can't just... You know, look, the Bare Naked Ladies are my favorite band, and they've cranked out five albums in the last <laughs> 10 years, right? They ain't winning any goddamn Grammys. It's because they don't sell any records. They what? sell them to the to the loyal fans that buy them, but they haven't had a hit on Top 40 Radio in 10 years, 15 years. Well, and this is, this is the thing I think that bar, uh, bothers me so much about, like, the Greta Gerwig snub for Barbie is that, yeah, it got nominated for a lot of other things, and that's great. And it got nominated for Best Picture, and that's great. It's not going to win any of those things, first of all. And it should win some of those Visual Tech Awards 100%. But it probably won't. It'll probably get passed over for, I don't know, that that comically offensive nose that they put on Bradley Cooper and Maestro. <laughs> but it it's just... It's, it's what the Oscars claim that they want. It's why they had that stupid award last year for like best movie moment that got hijacked by a bunch of Snyder bros. It's a, an artistically made, uh, carefully constructed film. And it's wildly commercially successful. I am not e expecting Greta Gerwig to win. I am not expecting Barbie to win, but what I am expecting is for it to be uh, recognized for the thing that is what is triumphant about it, which is uh, the direction. I don't think you get, first of all, you don't get um, Ryan Gosling or America Ferreira in their roles without Greta Gerwig. You don't get a script that good without Greta Gerwig. You, uh, you don't get any of the design choices. You don't get... The big I'm just Ken song. These are choices that she delicately made and fought for. And if that's not what a best director is, I don't know what is. And it's so frustrating to me that that's the big gaping hole in all of their nominations. Because if if they're nominated for nothing else, it should be that. 
Amen. Anyways. Amen. I gave you the we floor. Thank you. You okay? We can continue. I, I've been holding that in for like a week now. And yeah. I needed someone to pop that balloon and let it out. All right. I, f- I hope you feel good. Because now we got to talk about our movie of the night. <laughs> it's time for Peak Cinema. That means we are now going back to one of my formative years, 1991. Lauren and I heard complaining that we had too many bro movies. I disagree. I just totally disagree with our list. Our list is fair. I think it's a very balanced list. And um, I think this one I'm really proud of. I don't call this a bro movie. I really don't. I think on the surface you would call it a bro movie. This is an action movie that I do believe really is a big start of the action 90s, quintessential 90s action film genre. I think it starts here at Point Break. Some would say that it was predated by like the 80s with Lethal Weapon, Die Hard. And sure, I'm willing to have that conversation. But I think this movie is everything you like about 90s action films just kind of rolled into one big one big thing. Your thoughts when you saw Point Break, Lauren? <laughs> um, I wasn't super excited. Um, I have no interest in watching Point Break. Um, <laughs> I'm still debating that. We did watch watch today, so we waited until the last possible second. You put it off as long as you could. I did. I was surprised to learn that Catherine Bigelow directed this. Um, I'm not like a massive fan of hers. She makes a lot. She's pretty much made a living about uh, out of making um, like very dude centric stories, which is interesting. Really interesting, I think, about her career. Um, so I didn't know she directed this. I thought that was pretty cool. Comes at a very interesting time, 90s. I mean, you're the leader of yeah. a pretty big film of men, pretty much a male-dominated, quintessential male action film. And she's yeah. the one out front, which you don't see, I must say. Like, give her, I give her a lot of credit on that one. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And there are a couple, there are definitely a couple of moments in the movie where I don't I don't know if there's necessarily Catherine Bigelow's influence or if it's just that I think Lori Petty is a is a pretty good actress. Um where it just feels like uh, a, a rather underwritten female character feels like um, she's coming across as three-dimensional, you know? Um, that feels like some behind-the-scenes work being done there to, to make her feel a little bit more realistic as opposed to just kind of like placing any random actress in the role and calling it a day, which I feel like a lot of movies like this could easily do, you know? Um, but they don't. I, th- I think they do something with her character that's actually, like, interesting, and she feels like a real person, and that I have a hard time believing that's anything but her influence, which is kind of nice. That's a good place to start. I can't wait to hear more. Ryan, Point Break, Peace Ways, Keanu, your thoughts? Um, ah, here we go. I know it's coming. <laughs> I told everybody in the pre-show before the pre-recorded intro, I said, Ryan's going to hate it. Here we go. Let me down. Just go ahead and give it to me, Rhino. Not my cup of tea. Whoa, uh, what a shock. What a shock. <laughs> oh my God. Are you kidding me? It's not your cup of tea. Whoa. Weird. Um, Here's the thing, okay? Ryan likes one cup of tea. It's literally like it's it's the daintiest, smallest (laughs) cup of Earl Grey you ever had in your life, and there's nothing extra that goes in it. 
There's no room for variety. It's just the littlest hummingbird's beak of a teacup, and there's just very few films that fit there. What'd you get out of here? Uh, <laughs> here's the thing. I, I can understand why people would like this movie. I get it. It's all right. Okay, I, I understand. It's just not for me. All right. I, it, he plays I, quarterback at Ohio State. I'm, I'm what wearing, more do you I'm, want? I'm wearing the Ohio State hoodie for you. All right. I, I'm 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 in I'm in in costume here for the uh, for the old podcast. But here's the thing. Okay. I don't buy about half the character the characters of this movie. All right. <laughs> first of all, first of all. Gary Busey looks like he should be an extra in Breaking Bad uh, about 95% of the time in this movie. When he when he runs up to, to the dude who's pushing Keanu Reeves into the lawnmower and he points his gun at him, I'm thinking, oh my God, that, that could not look less like an FBI agent uh, than he does in this moment. Uh, I love Gary Busey in this movie. He, he is, it, the best way to describe Gary Busey in this movie is unhinged. Um, yes. he, he always looks like he's coming off about a 48 hour bender. He hasn't uh, slept in days. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there is, there is no way any responsible department, let alone the FBI would let that man have a gun. Um, <laughs> he, he says, he says in this movie, I had to kill somebody last time you had a good idea. And do you have any idea how much that, how bad that looks on my report? No, no bad feelings about, you know, actually killing somebody. <laughs> it's just that it looks bad on his report. This man is crazy. All right. He's insane. But that's why you love him. I, okay. I would argue that Gary Busey is pointless. Pointless in this movie. He just, he shows up different Hawaiian shirt every time. Uh, very confused. <laughs> Doesn't seem to be doing much of anything. Keanu Reeves is pretty you, much doing all of it. You and know what? It's it's he doesn't know if he's foot or horseback half the time. That's, yep. that's there's that's some Gary truth Busey to that. In this movie. Hey, but he likes a good meatball sandwich. Yeah, you know, even if it, even if it means you're going to miss the robbery, he likes him so much because he says, "Give me two, Utah. Give me two. I need two of those." <laughs> I'm so hungry, I could eat the ass end of a rhino. I should have had you get me three. <laughs> what Lincoln? <laughs> What happened? Oh, they're here. Dang it. What are we doing? Who are you? There's like a scene where he's like watching. I had a dream. I was in the FBI. There's a scene where he's like watching, quote unquote, inconspicuously from his uh, uh, car. That totally looks like an unmarked police car. It does. Yes. It does. No, no, he's, no, he's no he's rational like, human watch, being would drive that car. I'll just watch what Keanu Reeves the, the, the is doing. Next the next part is the best part. You got to wait for her to go through this. Go ahead. I'll please just, do. I'll just watch what Keanu Reeves is doing very quietly from my car. And then he reaches his head out, out of the window and grabs a pair of binoculars. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, what the fuck are you doing? I just, is, is he a cop or did he, he just roll in one day? <laughs> it's like the episode of Seinfeld where the bagel strike happens for years and all of a sudden it gets done and Kramer goes back to work 14 years later. That's kind of what happened at the FBI. Just Gary Busey rolls in 14 years later. Hey, I haven't been scheduled in weeks. What's going on, guys? I'm back. <laughs> I'm here to work a shift. Let's go. I, I have like, a yeah, hard time. A new guy. <laughs> I have a hard time, you know, not siding with Harp. 
halfway through this movie when I'm like, this dude is is worthless as a cop. I, but he's not <laughs> worthless. He knows they're surfers right from the beginning. He's and the one with like, the theory. That's like the last time he remains competent. The movie starts with him being like kind of kind of annoyed that he has to work with this new guy, but he knows what he's doing and he's trying to get the new guy to know what he's doing. And Which, then that's the end of it. By the way, can I ask, what the hell is a blue flame? What is that? A blue flamer? Is that? What does that mean? Yeah, John C. McGinley comes in just just um, just throwing heat in the first <laughs> in the first couple minutes of this movie. What is that? John's? I, I am convinced that his Scrubs character of Doctor Cox <laughs> comes directly from this character in Point Break. It's not. It's the same guy. The, the, the thing, sheer the, anger. Yes. The he thing has is, is that all he, times. he deserves to be angry at the end of the movie, right? Yeah. These two guys have floundered about this investigation. They have missed people. They have let people go. We've got one FBI agent involved in a bank robbery with these guys. They've screwed up a DEA investigation. Now the DEA's up his ass, right? There's a reason for him to be pissed. What's he pissed about in the first 15 minutes? Why is he so mad? <laughs> he's like, <laughs> he's like, you guys, this has been taking two weeks and we have no leads. <laughs> what? <laughs> This has been going on for two weeks, and you're screaming at the top of your lungs as though someone personally broke your leg? Best, best I can tell, you guys didn't have a lead for eight years before this, so what's going on? Like, the thing is, he's yelling at Utah. Utah's been there six seconds. Like, Keanu just showed up. He's wearing a suit, and he's just getting destroyed by John C. McGinley in the first minute and a half. Yeah, he's young, dumb, and full of cum. Young, dumb, full of cum. Oh my god, that line. Jesus Christ. I told Lauren that should be the title of the podcast tonight. No. (laughs) (laughs) I thought it was going to be Give Me Two, Utah. I thought for sure that I thought that was what it was going to be. But no, you're right. Maybe it's that one. (laughs) Give Me Two, Utah is probably more accurate. (laughs) Well, that long rant, what does he say at the beginning where they have that horrible back and forth where Keanu... God love Keanu in this movie, but you can tell like he is still like green as grass as an actor, <laughs> like just super because he's sitting there. What, what's the line? Busey telling I was killing guys in Quezon while you were <laughs> wiping, while you were crapping on yourself and wiping it on your face. Well, and he's like, I don't like your I, I, your methods bother me, and you bother me, and it's like it's his like third day physically there. <laughs> what are what are you? possibly <laughs> like that. listen you you were in the rose bowl eight months ago and now you're here telling gary Busey what's up like what's going on here you well, you want to shake everybody in this movie by the shoulders and say gentlemen gentlemen you've known each other for approximately six minutes can we all calm down yeah. <laughs> everyone is at a 10 or 11 every single person and i just for what for what for why, for whom? I think I like that about this movie is that they don't screw around with the exposition. I mean, everybody comes in here firing and I, I kind of like it. I, I'm, I'm in on that. We don't need to goof around for 25 minutes. Let's come out swinging. Let's come out hot. And uh, I, I give credit to that. I felt a little hot. It felt a little too hot. It was a little too hot. But I'm guessing McGinley and Busey looked at Keanu and said, boy, we're going to have to... We're going to have to raise this up here because Keanu is just coming out of Bill and Ted's and he's basically playing the same character just with shorter hair. And he played quarterback, you know, as opposed to being some dude in a phone booth. Now we got to really do some stuff here. 
I think that might be part of it. I think a lot of people are overacting around him because he is underacting quite a bit. Um, which is, look, look, Keanu Reeves is not a, an amazing actor. I don't think he's versatile. I don't think he's particularly fantastic. He looks I the do, part here, though. I'll give him that. He, he looks I, the part here. Okay, so I have feelings about that as well. <laughs> I know you're shocked. Um, no way. Are you serious? Okay, go I ahead. I have very strong opinions. I think that him and Patrick Swayze should be flipped. And they the talked that- about that, actually, but Pat pa- Swayze only wanted to play Bodhi. He, yes. I think, read to play Utah, but wanted wanted to play Bodhi instead. Yes, and then Catherine Bigelow fought really, really hard for Keanu Reeves to be. Because, yeah, Johnny uh, Depp Johnny had applied Uza. for this. Like, Johnny Depp had auditioned for this and, and a number of other dudes. And she was like, nope, I want Keanu Reeves. Yeah, also, she Val, like, Val Kilmer, who I think would have been better. Yeah. yeah. Although we could argue Val- Kilmer was maybe too too old, maybe. Maybe they really wanted the younger guy. But They had, you know, they had uh, not offered him the part, but I guess he was in talks, was Brandon Lee. Ooh, now that I mean, I feel like that would have been kind of amazing. Maybe he'd still be alive. Maybe if I, he says no to the crow, yes to point break, he's still here. But I think was because when did the crow come out? Was that 91? Or I, I thought it was too far away from that. I, I think it's fairly close. 94. 94 for the oh, crow. Was it 94? Okay. So by the time I mean he could have easily been in this and then also been in the crow. But, but he could have been still. a completely he could have been on a different trajectory completely. He could true, be in Speed in 1994 and not in, I mean, Keanu Reeves' market corrected Brandon Lee. I mean, uh, that's uh, yeah. that forced him into the crow. And it, it's, it's, I mean, Basically, I, what I'm I, saying is Keanu Reeves killed Brandon Lee. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> that's how we, we got should, there. We should talk about that. Let's, let's get, let's go, let's dig deeper into that. But it's like, it did, it changed the trajectory of Keanu Reeves' career indefinitely. Like he's still in it. And, um, I just feel like there, which is great because like, I love, I love a John Wick. I I really do like that. Say, we're 33 years on and Keanu is still making movies yeah. and doing big things. I love, I love the matrix movies, obviously. Um, but like, uh, I, there were people on this list, Willem Dafoe, which is a weird choice. Would have been a weird, um, cho- you would have had to play Swayze as Utah at that point. But like uh, Johnny Depp in 91, uh, Charlie sense. Sheen, Val Kilmer, Brandon Lee. These, I just feel like I could see any of them in it and it would be fine. I also feel like Patrick, Sw- I understand why Patrick Swayze personally wanted to play Bodhi, but I do think that if those are your two actors and one of them is the former college quarterback, current federal agent, and the other one is a surfer dude. Adrenaline junkie, bank yeah. robber. It just feels like they should be totally flipped. Especially, <laughs> especially Keanu Reeves coming off of like Bill and Ted. It's true. So I mean, it it's, it's an interesting combo. It really does launch the action career of Keanu Reeves. Cause it's almost like at yeah. this point where I think people were trying to shoehorn Keanu into being this serious actor and doing like these artsy movies you know, what was he? He was in like Three Musketeers and doing some of these other things. Like after they kept trying to, it's like, no, put this guy needs to be in speed, needs to be in the Matrix, needs to be in John Wick. We don't we can't be screwing around with all this with this acting stuff. Like he needs to be a star. He needs he's a just, vehicle. He's just good at that stuff. That's just what he's good at. And I would argue he's gotten better with age. Like 
I haven't seen the other John Wick movies. I've only seen the first one. But from what I hear, the other ones are fantastic. People love them. And that's that's because of him, you know? And I, I also partially believe that he has a career largely due to the fact that he is just a notoriously nice guy and people want to work with him. I think that's um, also true. And I think there's a reason why Catherine Bigelow fought for him. Cause I think he like, easy to work with probably I, said, this is a young guy that I think I can work with. I think so too. I think that's, it's gotta be why, because I, he's, he is super green in this movie and uh, he's just, he doesn't have like great acting chops, but when he's in an action movie, it's like he fucking delivers. Yeah. And so. the film delivers in a lot of big ways. There are some great moments in this movie, great action sequences, yeah. really fun stuff. So just a little plot summary, because we like to do this for those folks who are just new to the pod and have not seen the movie before. Uh, obviously, you should probably hit the pause button now after we do this so that we you don't get any spoilers later on in the movie. Figured 33 years later, I'm not, I'm not, we're not spoiling anything <laughs> here for you. But So the movie stars uh, Keanu Reeves, Patrick Swayze, Lori Petty, Gary Busey, John C. McGinley. Nice cast. Nice little cast at the top of this list. This is very fun. Um, Johnny Utah is Keanu Reeves' character, young FBI agent. Bodie is the charismatic and philosophical surfer played by P. Sways at the height of his powers. We're going to get into him in just a minute. Um, Johnny Utah is a former Ohio State quarterback. He just finished all the FBI stuff. That's the opening sequence of the movie is him doing all the gun drills and the shooting drills. It's really a, a good action scene in the rain. You know, Keanu gets to get, you know, wet early. And I guess that's what the ladies like. That's one of the big things about this film. The ladies love themselves some point break, which is uh, it's it's out there as that. Um, <laughs> Gary Busey plays Angelo Pappas, the agent, the veteran grizzled agent that Keanu gets paired with in L.A., you know, if you know anything about Gary Busey, he plays Gary Busey in this movie. It's pretty much that. It's not like the most complex thing in the world. Uh, where Busey says, look, there are these bank robbers and they're dressed like presidents. They wear president's masks and they that's their code. And I think they're surfers because they have there's wax that we have found. And the wax is consistent with surfboards. And, well, and it's brilliant it's also- stuff I do by Busey. It's also, it's the wax. And then it's also like the time of year that they commit these crimes is like around the surfing season or whatever. Last time he says something intelligent. So Utah goes and says, I'm going to, I'm going to go undercover. I'm going to go and infiltrate the surfers area and learn something and almost drowns immediately where he's quickly saved by Lori Petty. Petty is a snarky a surfer tomboy who has just got the finger on the pulse of the whole scene. Turns out she's got a friendship slash relationship with Bodie, who we meet shortly after, starring Patrick Swayze. And it doesn't take long before Reeves realizes that Bodie and his gang are the ex-presidents robbing banks. And he's torn between, like, his duty, his, his duty as an FBI agent, and, like, this sort of... I don't, you almost want to call it like, what is it like friendship or respect or almost like a desire to want to live a little on the edge too for Keanu. That's kind of the, 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 at the through line of this movie is that I think. I think that, I think that uh, the movie is less about surfing and more about the adrenaline junkie thing, which I think resonates more with uh, Johnny Utah in his like, He's like, uh, the way that they paint him is like, I'm going to get this shit done and I'm going to do it. I'm going to go out there. I'm going to do this on my own and yada, yada, yada. 
And that feels like that resonates more with him than like the spirituality of surfing or whatever. That feels like that's not even super important uh, to the plot. <laughs> I think that's right. I think you've, you've hit it, right? I, so it's this, I mean, because you're right. It's more than just surfing. Swayze's about skydiving and he's mm-hmm. about all, anything that he can do on the edge. And he's in search of the perfect, like the perfect ride, the perfect wave, you know, the greatest wave ever. And I think he's one of those guys that's truly here for a good time not here for a long time. That is the Bodie Patrick Swayze essence. And Keanu Reeves becomes intoxicated with that along with, you know, digging a little Lori Petty as well, which give, give credit to Catherine Bigelow here with the Lori Petty casting. She's not prototypical. She's good looking girl, right? She looks good in this film. She's very, very beautiful, but she's not your prototypical heroine in the movie. That's not blonde haired, blue eyed beach girl. It's very, very different. And I'm sold. Like she's totally believable from jump street. I'm I'm in the whole way with her. She's great. I I really enjoy Lori Petty in this movie. And I was, you know, she was, I, you know, didn't know she was in this movie and she kind of shows up and I was like, Oh my God, how fun. This will be nice. And she definitely, uh, you know, the character itself doesn't exactly leap off the page or whatever. Uh, you're right. She could have easily just been, I don't know, anybody. It could have been like the Transformers movies, how they just like replaced Megan Fox with some random blonde model. Who cares? Um, but they didn't. They chose uh, Lori Petty. And I think that she brings something to the role. She brings kind of a snark. She brings character that maybe the the role didn't have on the page. And I just think that she was kind of a perfect choice to be this um, not just mentor uh, to Johnny Utah, but also like getting him to understand this adrenaline junkie shit is stupid. <laughs> and he's, he, he and all of like Bodie and their gang should really just get over it. If they want to actually live like uh, a decent, happy life, you can just surf and do your job and have a good time. Sure. Could. I mean, would be nice, wouldn't it? But so we've, we've, what, where's where should our next path go do we want to talk want to talk patrick swayze introduce patrick swayze to the group here at minute 38 of this podcast oh probably we should talk about patrick swayze All right. patrick swayze coming in is at the height of his powers right i think that's safe to say some would argue this is maybe the last big movie i know he does some other ones all the way down and of course he dies young as you know that he died in 09 uh so we are now well well remote 15 years uh, on since we uh lost the greatness that is Peaceways. Um, but this is a run for Peaceways and not necessarily critically acclaimed films. But although I don't think anybody doesn't think he's a decent actor. But if you look at his body of work, you're not going to say, oh, that's great acting. Peaceways, here's the run Peaceways was on as he gets to Point Break. And some would argue this is sort of the cap for, for, for Swayze at this point. So he's coming off Ghost in 1990. Ghost is huge, huge film, huge film, good CGI kind of film, Demi Moore, Swayze. Some would argue it's like, some would argue that's the height of, uh, that's the apex mountain of uh, whatever, if you want to call it for, for Swayze. I I think actually Dirty Dancing is probably that in 87. Yeah. Uh, But he does Roadhouse in 89. He does Dirty Dancing in 87. 
He's in Red Dawn in 84. He's in The Outsiders. Uh, he is on a, he's on a heater. Like he's just every year, every two years, he's cranking out a new film and he's, he's monstrous. On top of that, he had a top 10 hit in 1987 with She's Like the Wind from the Dirty Dancing soundtrack. So he's a singer. I forgot about that. So he's a singer. He's an actor. He's a dancer. He's sort of a five-tool guy. And yet you don't recognize him as like an actor. This brings us back to our traditional question of actor or movie star. What do you call Patrick Swayze? Is he an actor or a movie star? I think he's a movie star. I think he's a movie star but I also not in the same way that I believe that Keanu Reeves is a movie star. Cause we think Reeves is a movie star as well. Not an actor. Oh, for sure. For sure. Yep. Um, I, I think that uh, Patrick Swayze is a movie star who happens to be a very good actor. It's just that the movies he made slash was interested in making were these kind of big, Big blockbuster style films. I I will say I don't think dir- I feel like I doubt Dirty Dancing was a blockbuster, but it certainly has the staying power. It's the cult right. classic. It's the big right. It's the thing that if we said Patrick Swayze and did word association, you say Dirty Dancing. Dirty Dancing, obviously. Um, and I'm not like super familiar with everything that he did because it's pretty much Dirty Dancing and Ghost and now Point Break uh, in my repertoire. But the, these are the kind of movies that he liked to do, and I, they are still popular, and they were popular then. So, yes, I think he's a movie star in that regard, but I also think he's a pretty decent actor. And I forget about that sometimes, but I'm watching this, and I'm watching him talk as as Bodie, and I'm just like, oh, shit, that's right. He's really good. <laughs> he's really good. And I think uh, so much of the success of this movie is uh, – is the acting, you know, it could easily be, uh, kind of dumb and it is, <laughs> but it's, but it's also like he, Patrick Swayze's just like kind of hitting fastballs in it. And, uh, which is really, really nice against, he works really well with Keanu Reeves, I think, as opposed to Gary Busey and John C. McGinley, who I think are just kind of like, uh, yelling uh, around him in order to evoke an emotion out of him. Uh, Patrick Swayze is just kind of, I think, meeting him where he's at, which is why the two of them work really well off of each other. Um, I think I think he's a fantastic actor, but I do think he is a movie star for sure. Swayze was born to be a bad guy. He really should have had another run, had another career where he... The problem is, is he's so damn likable. That even in this movie, he's the bad guy and you like him like crazy. Like he's so charismatic and he's so charming. And you're watching him going like, I think I'd like Patrick Swayze too. I think I'd let him rob banks too if I had the opportunity because the guy's so guy makes some points. I, I kind of agree with him. Screw the government. Take all the money. Go surf. Live your life. I'm, I'm here for you, Patrick Swayze. Well, and I, I like... I think that's very much the point, right? Like if he just played a bad guy who was a bad guy, if he was just doing like, you know, uh, Alan Rickman and Die Hard, then it wouldn't be, it, it wouldn't be the same. Johnny Utah would have shot him in that chase scene and the movie would be over. But it's, it's 
about like, this guy is actually likable. And, uh, you know, you rationalize things like the money is insured. It's a bank. No one's getting hurt. Yada, yada. Uh, He doesn't. uh, Johnny Utah doesn't like up the ante of what's going on until he starts threatening people and people start dying in his care. And I think that's that to me is a really, really good villain. And I think Patrick Swayze brings so much to that. He's yeah, fantastic. I feel like we, we needed more. I feel like we we just needed five more movies of Patrick Swayze being a bad guy. If we would have yeah. got that, I, I really think we would have had something there. I, I don't, I don't. And, and yeah, there's something about him where it's just everything he does in this movie doesn't feel like it's not an archetype really. Like you don't look at him and go, well, this is the guy from roadhouse or this is the guy from dirty dancing, which is not like Keanu Reeves. Like you look at Keanu Reeves, you're like, Oh, this is bill or this is Ted. Yeah. <laughs> this is Ted just with a nicer haircut. And you know, you know, he has a gun now and, and that's it, but it's basically Ted uh, yeah. from bill and Ted's that's not Swayze here. Like he's, it, it just feels like a very different character than what he's used to playing. And like, He's brilliant. And I wanted, I just wanted so much Peaceways. For me, I know everybody likes to go dirty dancing. I go point break every time for Peaceways because I think he's awesome in this movie. This is like one of my favorite. This one and Roadhouse are my two my two Swayze go-tos, but this one in front of Roadhouse. This one's great. I think, I think he's very good in this movie. I think the better movie is Dirty Dancing. You could argue that. I could listen That's- to that. I could, we could argue Red Dawn's better than Dirty Dancing. Mm, I would not. You would not? You haven't seen Red Dawn. Don't even I don't need to. It's dirty dancing, Tim. It's Red Dawn. How come you haven't seen Red Dawn? Anyway. The Russians occupying Colorado? Ryan, come on. Uh, Come on on Red Dawn. I've seen the remake. I've not seen the original. (laughs) You don't need to see. You need to see the original, and then you'll never see the remake again. It's not even Who's in the remake? Was I feel That's like Hemsworth. Evan- That's your guy, Hemsworth. Yeah, Hemsworth. Oh, okay. Liam yeah. or Chris? I think it was Chris. Chris. No, he yeah. was not. Really? Yeah, it was Chris. Yeah. yeah, it was your guy. Your guy, Thor. How dare and- he? <laughs> yeah, it's... Uh, that was a bad decision. Here's your cast, Lauren. Chris Hemsworth, Josh Hutcherson, Josh Peck, Jeffrey, oh. Dean, Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Ha! <laughs> How we does it go wrong? Those, those are my those are my guys. We need to have a sit down discussion. <laughs> How dare they? Yeah, she's. I'm not going to say anything three times in a row because I'm not going to get on Tom Kane's list by saying something brutally offensive to Lauren in the middle of the podcast. I'm, no, you were not. I had something in the holster. I chose not to. I'm going to keep it right Good. there. Keep it it's right there. Keep it right there. I kept it right there. Thank you. All right. So we like Peaceways. We do agree with that. Interesting thing that I read about the research of this movie that Patrick Swayze said that he looked at it as sort of a love story between Bodie and Johnny Utah, that there were these two guys that were almost kismet, right? They should have been friends in a past life, or they would have been friends if take the FBI agent role completely out of it for Keanu Reeves. And these two guys would have been best pals. I think there's something to that. And that's how he plays the role of Bodhi as sort of this nurturing friend that is like sharing philosophy and sharing, you know, his wisdom and trying to look and trying to help out the young Padawan 
not necessarily knowing he's an FBI agent, but knowing he was a quarterback, like he knew his stuff. He knew he was a quarterback almost immediately. And like, they're going to fight on the beach. He's like, don't do that. That's Johnny Utah. He played in the Rose Bowl. Like that guy's amazing. Right. So there's something about that relationship that is just super good. Like you mentioned, Lauren, there's a chemistry between these two guys. There is. And I, I can see why uh, Patrick Swayze, I can definitely see Patrick Swayze thinking about that as he's playing Bodie. I don't think that's what the movie is. I think that is a very weird interpretation of the text. And and the only reason I say that is because, um, uh, uh, I don't think that Johnny Utah has that feeling towards him. I think that he has maybe like some respect or some like admiration for the lifestyle. Um, I do not think that Johnny Utah would be friends with Bodie if he wasn't a cop. I don't think that that's not the vibe I get. That's not anything that I think Keanu Reeves is doing. So maybe it's something that Bodie believes and therefore Patrick Swayze believes, but I just don't, I don't see that at all. Personally. Fair enough. You're going to argue with peace ways. I, I don't know what to tell you. I, <laughs> there, <laughs> there are some things. Whoa. Oh my God. I'm doing, so I'm researching the trivia for this movie, which is now my new favorite thing to do. <laughs> There's a uh, lot going on with this movie with Catherine Bigelow and James Cameron and all the pieces. There's a lot going on here. It's a cultural touchstone. Crazy. My fit, my absolute favorite one. And I've fucking died laughing, figuring this out. So Apparently, Patrick Swayze at the time was very obsessed with skydiving. Now, nice. in his uh, in his autobiography, he claims that his brother was the one who was a skydiver, but everyone on set and several of the actors of the film claim that it was Patrick Swayze. Does his own stunts. He's obsessed with skydiving at the time. The uh, production asked him to like stop doing that uh, while they were making the movie so that he wouldn't accidentally die in the middle of filming. I think that's reasonable. Um, He basically refused. So as a compromise, they did the skydiving scenes in the movie. And those two scenes are just nuts. Bananas. (laughs) Bananas. I mean. (laughs) Banana scenes. And Ryan's so favorite did. scenes clearly are the skydiving scenes. There's because he loves those kinds of <laughs> realistic action scenes. That's what gets him going. I mean, they're very. I, I, he's like Tom Cruise in this movie. Like he's doing that shit because all the stunts that was, he does them all. That was the compromise, and apparently, according to some of the other actors on the movie, he was still skydiving on the weekends, anyways. So they did this. So they had this whole compromise so that he wouldn't be doing this in an unsafe environment that they could not control so that he didn't die in the middle of filming. (laughs) And he was just like, (laughs) he argued to get that scene in the movie and then still did it in his free time. That's fantastic to me. I think that's hilarious and good for him. Hey, before we get to favorite scenes, Rhino, do you have the Tom Kane fact of the week? I do. It's not what you expect it's going to be. Uh, I, I imagine that there was no prediction about this, but um, the Ohio State Buckeyes did not play in a Rose Bowl uh, in any time that would have been close to this movie being made. Um, the last Rose Bowl that the Buckeyes played in was 1985, uh, and Johnny Utah is clearly fresh out of college here. Uh 
the uh, Buckeyes lost to the Trojans 20 to 17 in the 1985 it would have been the 84 season Rose Bowl um and after that uh Michigan played in two Michigan State played in one and Iowa played in two but Ohio State never did who would have been the Ohio State quarterback in 89-90 when we figured what? Utah would have been the quarterback glad you asked uh, a guy by the name of Jack Munson number nine uh, was the quarterback of the Buckeyes. Uh, they do cite that number uh, in the uh, in the movie, except it's it's not Johnny Utah is his name. Uh, also from California uh, was that quarterback. So uh, perhaps maybe loosely based upon the uh, the Jack Munson tells everybody, you know the you know the role of Johnny Utah. That was me. <laughs> I was Johnny Utah. <laughs> Did he also go for law or pre law or something? I'm sorry, I found that out. I read the wrong name. Jason Frank is his name. Jason Frank. Jason Frank. Oh, he's from Johnny he's Utah. From, he's from Anaheim, Frank. California. Uh, he's a six foot three, two hundred and twenty five pound quarterback from Anaheim, California. Was he pre law? Uh, I don't know. It's fine. I don't know if I can find <laughs> that out. That would be fantastic. Normally, they declare those major. That's a good Tom Kane fact of the week, though. I, I will certainly accept that. By the way, uh, Ryan, do you like the name Johnny Utah? Do you feel like a quarterback should be named Johnny Utah somewhere? Why haven't there been a quarterback named Johnny Utah in our lifetime? Uh, you know, I think that it's it's a fine name. They make the joke about John Unitas, uh, and I wonder if that's maybe where the name comes from. Uh, Johnny Utah is just such a, a football name. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. it's it's the only a name that you would see on a football field. Lauren Lauren was familiar got familiar with Legarius Sneed tonight. <laughs> uh, a name that he thinks is hilarious, although not not nearly as funny as Michigan tight end uh, Jake Butt. Jake uh, Butt. J- Jake Butt's tight a great end. name. Yeah, that's a uh, great name. It's not just Jake Butt. It's tight it's end Jake, Jake Butt. Tight end. Which should have been a Phenomenal. sitcom. I have no idea why that's not a sitcom. <laughs> Coming up tonight know, on Jake Butt tight end. <laughs> I don't know. I looked at Ryan today and I said, Legereus Sneed sounds like he has beef with the Lorax. That's what his name fucking sounds like. <laughs> South right at South Snitch. Here comes Legereus Sneed. <laughs> <laughs> These are not real people. You cannot convince me. They all have weird names. These, they're Who's all made kid? up. Isn't there a kid whose name is Mobility? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's, uh... I love it. That's not a real person. You can't convince me. Some of these people, it's their nickname. <laughs> There's like one that's like Poop Johnson or something. Yeah, he's an old nickname. Poop Johnson is an old defensive end. Uh Booger McFarlane. I mean, would yeah. you prefer <laughs> yeah, mobility is a running back for rice? Uh, I wish I were joking. Uh Corey Poop Johnson uh played for Kentucky. <laughs> But like that's um, that's a nickname, that's a right? Nickname, that's yeah. not that has not yeah. his government name. That's not on his social security uh, card. General it's, Booty was a quarterback for the yeah, Oklahoma. General Sooners. Booty, I do remember that one was good. General Booty was. Who <laughs> laid McKinnistry is currently a first round pick. Who laid McKinnistry? I can't forget about him. You do you remember? There's a chapter in Freakonomics. This is whoa! I haven't read that book in many years. But there's a chapter in Freakonomics where they discuss like how your name might be like a, a determination for the kind of person you grow up to be. I think that's all bullshit. But if you name your son your son something insane, they might grow up to be like a college football all star. 
because they all have the dumbest names I've ever heard in my hey, entire life. I got a new game for Lauren just for a special podcast. We should just do real NFL player or Kean Peel uh, college football <laughs> bit. <laughs> See how many she gets right. You got, I would get zero right. You have Storm There's, Duck, the cornerback from Louisville. <laughs> Storm, Storm Duck. Storm Duck. You have Booby Curry, the wide receiver oh, no. from Buffalo. <laughs> no. Yeah. No. These are not real people. You have, totally real. You have totally Fat real. Watts, the wide receiver from Tulane. No. Fat Watts. Sauce dude. Gardner for the uh for the Jets, the Jets is a great one. Sauce Gardner. Uh Squirrel White, the wide receiver from Tennessee. Squirrel is his government name? Yeah. Fish McWilliams. Uh from Alabama, Birmingham. You know, now that we met, now that we've done all this, Ryan, Johnny Utah doesn't sound so weird at all. Johnny no, Utah sounds, sounds fantastic. It's a great it name. Sounds like Joe Montana. It just seems it just got, rolls like, right off the tongue. Now you're right. You got the most the most Wyoming name possible for a Wyoming DB named Buck Coors. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so happy I didn't take a sip of my wine just now. <laughs> Buck Coors. These are not real people. God. Oh, it's so good. I love that one. All right. Well, don't forget about Major Applewhite, which was one of my favorite names uh, back in the old college days. Major Applewhite was a real, real, real great guy. That guy was a stud. Oh, my God. That seems tame, almost. Yeah, it's almost like normal. Yeah, that's the next movie star is Major Applewhite. Major and General Applewhite. Booty. You've, you've, got, you've got Arizona State defensive lineman Blazin Lono Wong. Blazing what? Lono Wong. Also uh, doubles as a porn name, too. I think. That's right. Uh, <laughs> Florida International tight end Rowdy Beers. That's no. a great name. That's a great name. Like How Rowdy dare. Burns in Days of Thunder. All right. Let's yeah, get back I'll, to the movie. I'll stop with that. I'm sorry. All right. Let's get back just, to the movie. Bottom bit. line, Johnny Utah, pretty normal in comparison now. That's right. Uh, yeah. Favorite yeah. scenes, Lauren. Favorite scenes. <laughs> it's not gonna be what you think um when patrick swayze <laughs> <I'm> sorry <laughs> fang mcfrost that's the <laughs> when, he... <laughs> when patrick swayze chucked a dog at keanu <laughs> 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 i like couldn't focus for the rest of that I, scene. I seriously thought she was going to pee her pants when we were watching that scene. <laughs> like, so for obvious reasons, it's like a fake dog, and then it's a real dog, and then it's a fake dog, but you can tell that it's a fake dog. And also just the idea that he would be... You know what I'm going to do to defend myself? In this moment, even though I am within punching distance of this guy, I'm going to pick up this pit bull <laughs> and just chuck it in. Still in a Reagan mask, by the way. Still in the Reagan mask. Oh my God. What a message that is, too, that he's wearing the Reagan mask. I could watch that scene on a loop over and over again. I would be so it's, happy. That to Lauren is the Mac and me scene with the wheelchair off the cliff. <laughs> oh it's magnificent uh i'm sure there are other real favorite scenes but i couldn't stop laughing ryan let me give you a favorite scene we'll come back to lauren what else you got what's your uh, favorite my, scene for you 
My my favorite scene is the Gary Busey running out of the car to find that Johnny Utah's in a fight with the Nazis on the beach. Yeah. And <laughs> and he uh I I don't know if he could have looked less athletic running out of that car. Uh just like maybe it was the shirt he was wearing, but the the, the belly sticking out and just kind of hobbling. Isn't Hawaiian shirts don't look very athletic when they're running As- from <laughs> As an avid Hawaiian shirt wearer myself, I can attest to the fact that we are not athletic. Maybe we were once athletic, uh, but it is long since gone. Yeah. And uh, and Gary Busey is definitely not an exception to that. He does run role. like somebody stole his bones, and like twenty minutes earlier, they just put him back in. So he's just trying to like get him back in place. To feel he moves. Off. He moves like an anthropomorphic pot of noodles. Yeah. He. <laughs> <laughs> He just thumps along uh, in every scene, and you can tell because that's what he does in that scene where he where he's stopping the dude with the lawnmower too later in the movie with the Nazis. He just kind of holds his gun like this, and he's kind of hunches over the the shot. And I, I just I don't know if he could look less like an FBI agent at any point in this movie. I just I, I do he, buy that he's a Vietnam vet though. Yeah, hundred percent buy that. Pretty, yeah. You know what? If you told me that 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 character is a Vietnam vet who wandered into an FBI bureau and said, "I'm an FBI agent," and no one asked any questions, and that's just how he became an FBI agent, and that I makes believe sense to me. Uh, it tracks. Like, it very much does. It's very. It's very. Uh, uh, what's the name of the dude at the stapler from Office Space? You know, like Milton. They, they stopped. Milton. They stopped paying Gary Busey a government salary like thirty years ago, and he just keeps showing up to work. Uh, <laughs> or it's an oversight. They that, keep forgetting. They they thought they stopped the checks years ago, but he just kept getting checks, and the, so he kept showing up. The uh, the the brick scene at the bottom of the pool. No one else had to do that. It was just Gary Busey. It's uh, just one of the things <laughs> they just have to, give him have him to do. do. Uh, so he doesn't pop off and shoot somebody in the office. Uh, which is something that he has want to do. Uh, something, something he didn't even get desk duty for, by the way. He fully shot a man in the head. Just like, you know what? Not only do you get to stay in the field, you can eat what you want. You can wear whatever shirts you want. Uh, every now and again, we're going to make you blindfolded and go down and get some rocks out of the pool. But other than that, like my, everything's good. Everything's straight up. No worries. My my other favorite scene is in a similar Gary Busey vein is when, uh, when Harp is chiding them in his office and I use chiding lovingly because that man was yelling at them the uh, <laughs> and he's he's got he, uh, Johnny Utah's got the surfboard right there and he goes on the bright side boss I caught a major tube this morning <laughs> man you are lucky this guy doesn't freaking kill you that was that was the dumbest line delivery we, we've talked a lot this month about the best line deliveries we've, we've heard that might have been the worst uh I mean, really, I, I just this don't. Is, I'm sorry. This is a favorite moment. It was so yours? funny to me. It was so funny. <laughs> I'm, I'm laughing both at the delivery and the ridiculousness of the line that's being delivered. Uh, it, it, that and the, uh, oh God, I, I told this one to Lauren that I don't know if Gary Busey could have sold his line delivery more. Uh, you know, when, when they find out that they're surfers, he goes, surf's up, dude. And I'm like. I, I don't know if Gary Busey could have mailed that line in any more than he did in that moment, but it worked because it was hilarious. <laughs> Just mailing it in. Uh, a couple of mine. Uh, I got two that are classic. First of all, it's Utah. Give me two. 
give me two. Uh, something about that scene, about, about the whole sequence around Utah, give me two. The meatball sandwich thing. It's just the whole Gary, if Gary Busey couldn't have been any more Gary Busey-like in that moment where you're like, yep, that pretty much sums up where we are with Gary Busey at this stage of the movie. We're trying to stake out a big investigation. We got all these guys. We think they're hitting this bank and I am worried about meatball sandwiches and I'm going to need two. I'm so hungry. I need two <laughs> giant meatball sandwiches because first of all when you're in a state when you're on a stakeout and you're in a car what's better than a freaking messy meatball sandwich <laughs> that's going to literally get all over everything in the car it's going to be all over the, the seat going to be you're going to be wearing half of that on your shirt i mean meatball subs are messy that requires a plate i mean but if he's wearing hawaiian shirts it might cover it up you might you be know, onto something. It might just be part of the pattern. I would be wearing a red and white Hawaiian shirt if I was going to have a meatball <laughs> sandwich. <laughs> it's the only chance says, I got. He says it like three times. Like he's very concerned that Johnny Utah is not going to get him two sandwiches. And he has Give no faith in Utah's ability to execute a basic meatball sandwich order. It's just he's all concerned about it. He's Utah, give me two. <laughs> You've already said it three times. Why don't you say it one more? You sure it's two? You need what two? What Lincoln? <laughs> Goes back to reading his fucking paper. What are you here to do, Gary? <laughs> it's like Utah's literally doing all the work. He's surfing. He's, he's doing the work with Lori Petty. He's infiltrating Bodie's camp. He's doing all the stuff. And now he's fetching meatball sandwiches. Literally, Gary Busey's doing nothing. I mean, it's just, it's, it's like Jake and the Fat Man or something like that. It's an episode. It's unbelievable. Well, this is why I think, like, Gary Busey basically serves no purpose in the film. Other than to make I me laugh. If, he other, makes me laugh. Other than, other than that, I suppose. Because that's pretty much it. He just feels like comic, like uh, we could replace him with Wayne Knight. And I think it would Don't have the that. same effect. Don't say that. We're not bringing Sam Pottle. What is, what's his name again? What's his name from Space Jam, Ryan? Oh, <laughs> we said we oh. never want to see again. Stan uh, Podolesky. Stan Podolesky uh, or whatever it was. Yeah, yes. something Stan like Podolak. that. Stan Podolak. That's a, Stan Podolak. Can't yeah. have Stan Podolak back. Uh, you can't put no. him into Gary Busey's role and have this thing work. I'm sorry. Could you imagine? <laughs> I think I think he basically serves the same purpose. He's just there to be <laughs> Gary Busey. He's totally ineffectual. In 1991, who could you have put in this spot and had them be successful? Jason like, Alexander. I mean, Jason Alexander. John Candy. Uh, you could have put a million guys here probably, but you went with Gary oh, yeah. Busey. Hell, you could have put Chuck Sheen right here. I'm fine with that. If you wanted to put Charlie Sheen in this spot, like that would have been a good spot for him too. same cocaine usage. Yes. And, but yet maybe a little bit more believable as an agent at this stage <laughs> of his career. If you can believe it. Uh, I, I think uh, yeah. that uh, you could put Wayne Knight there, but again, I'd sit there the whole movie hating it. If I had to uh, bet you a million dollars in 1991, who would be alive right now? Gary Busey or Patrick Swayze? How much money would you have lost? Because you would have bet on Patrick Swayze and not yes. Gary Busey. I would have lost all the money. I mean, all. The, I, I mean, if somebody would have bet Gary Busey, they'd have been they'd have been they could retire because they'd be worth billions right now. What are we defining as alive for Gary Busey here? And that his heart <laughs> is beating and that there is a brain functioning. Because I've seen Gary Busey in 2024, and uh, I don't He's know what I'd call that living. 
Um, I gotta look him up because I haven't <laughs> thought about Gary Busey in a good long while. We could really use this. more Gary Busey in our. I want to see Gary right, Busey get a run here. We need another his, Gary Busey run. Something fierce. His right eye has drifted. Uh, <laughs> it's behind his head now. <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying, uh, it ain't good, right? Um, I I don't know how oh, else to put man, it. It ain't dude. good. I'm telling you, the fact that that man still has a heartbeat. It's is pretty a, astonishing. It's a miracle on par. You know what? He must it's be a like medical. 90, it's a medical miracle. Medical he must be miracle. like 97% cocaine at this point. 100%. <laughs> so this, God, every single picture of him is insane. <laughs> insane. There's a picture here where he looks like the CGI version of the mummy from 1999's The Mummy. That's. You know, I'll tell you what. When AI gets their shit totally, you know, figured out, <laughs> Gary Busey in 2070, 2080 is going to have a hell of a run. Like, they're going to make a run of Gary Busey films because nobody will believe that that's a real person. And he's going to collect the family. The Busey estate's going to collect royalties for years because they're just going to run Busey back as an AI character in every movie going forward. He's just, I mean, he he looks insane he he could play two-face and that it looks like he has two faces in one and they would literally have to do no makeup right they would just throw him out there and just be like you're two-faced now thank you uh other favorite lines other favorite scenes i am an fbi agent uh it's just a, an unbelievable delivery by keanu reeves when they're in the bus going to that heist you don't understand Bodie. i am an fbi agent and it's the most hollow delivery i've ever heard but i can't get it out of my head it's a great it's a great scene i love that for two reasons one keanu you're trying so hard and i feel you baby boy i feel it and two bodie knows you're a cop already (laughs) he knows he knows that you guys are federal agents he's very aware of what he's doing got it all figured out yep got it figured out (laughs) maybe if i just say it Maybe he'll maybe let we me can go. talk this over. <laughs> because he's been such a good talker to this point. Yeah. <laughs> maybe I will I will use my wit to uh to get out of this situation by simply acknowledging that I am an FBI agent in this. Tyler, place. you don't understand. <laughs> I had to do it. But then Oh my God, that reminds me of the phone the voicemail he leaves. <laughs> Tyler. He like he's like uh, he's like talking on the phone and then he puts the phone down. He's like, "Why can't I just say what I mean?" And I'm like, <laughs> "Hang on, uh, like what is this an after school special? What is it's a the Disney Channel show?" The theme from One Tree Hill starts playing. <laughs> <laughs> Why can't I just say what I mean? Cue Degrassi. Oh my god! Oh god! Uh, and the other favorite scene has to be so Keanu at the, towards the end of the film, Peaceways jumps out of the plane with a shoot. Keanu says, "I'm going after him." No shoot, just free jumps out of the plane, lands on Peaceways, and they have a stare down basically to open the shoot. It's the best ever. Such a great action scene. Oh my God. And then have a fall at the end of that scene that would have broken any normal person's legs. And Johnny already (laughs) has the bad knee. So Johnny has the horrible knee. That knee would have probably been left on that beach. 
right? They'd have just been like, you know what? We're going to get you a new one, Johnny. This is it. That We're not going to be able to repair that one. Well, and it's, it's like, I mean, <clears throat> okay. Granted, I've never held a gun and I don't plan to, and I've never skydived and I don't plan to. Um, <laughs> Two things that are just, not in Lauren's repertoire. <laughs> it just kind of feels like. You could hold the gun with one finger and pull with the other two fingers. I just feel like that's not an either or situation. <laughs> the amount of things that I hold in my hand in the same arm that I hold my child in, I just feel like you can hold a gun and pull a string. That's all I feel. Yeah, I watch people that get groceries out of the back of their car and they make that a mission every time that trunk's yeah. open. Like, I'm only doing this in one trip. I, I make that a goal of mine every time. I'm like, I am not making two trips here. So you got eight bags in one hand. You got the soda in the other hand. You're working some. I mean, you are a, it's amazing what you can hold with 10 fingers. I just think, <clears throat> I just think he wasn't creative enough. That's how I feel about that. The other day, uh, Kieran was upset that he has this tiny little rocking chair in his bedroom and he wanted to play with it, but we were going downstairs. So I carried in one hand him, his rocking chair, and like three nooks that he had stashed away in his bedroom that belonged downstairs. And then I, I hopped over a gate on the stairs. So I'm holding all of those things in one hand. And that was just fine. I just think you can do two things, right? We can walk and chew gum, Keanu. <laughs> Keanu would say, you know what? Listen, I jumped out of a plane without a shoot. All right. What do you want me to do here? What do you give me some credit for what plan. I've already done? <laughs> if your plan is I'm going to jump out of the plane without a shoot. I would argue that is what you do when a plan fails. That is not a plan. <laughs> that is not how it works. Well, like, what What was his plan? What if he didn't catch up to Patrick Swayze? Then he's dead and Patrick Swayze is dead and Tyler's dead, which is the whole purpose of this endeavor. That's you, like that scene from the beginning of the other guys. That that scene from the beginning of the other guys where Samuel L. Jackson and uh, and who was the other guy? Is it is that Mark Wahlberg? That, no, Mark no, Wahlberg. Mark Wahlberg. That whoever it was, they, they jump from the roof and say, aim for the bushes. Aim for the bushes. And they jump and they both die. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, is that any the other, other guys? Is yeah, that that's the other guy. That is the any other guy. favorite scenes? Any other favorite scenes? Honestly, I, I think we hit those are the best ones. I mean, we yeah. hit all the good ones, right? I mean, those yeah. are just fantastic. All of those scenes are good. Um, Ryan, do you want to? Do you care to make any comments about the fact that all the U.S. presidents are old, dead conservatives? Uh, Jimmy Carter was there. Oh, Jimmy Carter was there. I take that back. So, mm -hmm. uh, is this a state? It, was this the middle finger to the '80s Reaganomics? Is there a political message being sent in this movie? Everything's political, Tim. We don't need to get into it though. <laughs> Uh, but everything is political. <laughs> everything is political. Catherine Bigelow was trying to make a statement about uh, ab about big government and uh, all yeah, that she stuff really, for many years in advance. She really, um, you know, we got we got to start asking, you know, where those guys were on January sixth. But she was making a point. <laughs> Peaceways does look like the doofus that was carrying the podium out of the place. Like he does kind of look a little like him. <laughs> I do think that's that's where I thought this movie was going. Because he has like a little speech in their in their robbery at the beginning of the movie, like a, a short little speech about, you know, they're taking your money anyways. All this money's insured. Don't die for these these people. Whatever, whatever. 
But then that's it. He has and the great like, line. Yeah, he has the great line about this was never about the money for us. It was about us against the system, the system that kills the human spirit. We stand for something. What? What do you stand for? Adrenaline is, and surfing. This is this is what's annoying to me is that it feels like it's on, it's on the precipice of making a point, making a statement that maybe people could agree with, and you could agree with Patrick Swayze here, but then it just does like it just doesn't clarify its thoughts at all, and then we just jump out of a plane. So you sweet, forget. It's a sweet ass film. God, it's the film is. <laughs> you can't argue this is the most fun pod we've had in a, forever. And this movie is such a talker. It's a total. There's a reason why this is in the canon of action films. Why this is one of the all timers. You can tell. This is. I would say yes. This is a fun action movie, but and I would put it on a level above um, Face Off in terms of quality. <laughs> Even though Face Off, I mean. <laughs> That's it's, the best worst movie I've ever seen in my life. It's it, um, it's right there for sure. And you know, on a on a night where we talk about Oscars movies, we're we're talking Point Break, which Point Break <laughs> never sells itself as an Oscar film. It never wants to no. be considered one. It wants to be considered. We're here for a and, long time. We're going to be here for a long time, and I hope you enjoy it. And it's a totally no, rewatchable film. There's something to be said about that. Not everything has to have. Um, like hypercritical acclaim or whatever, whatever. Some things are just fun. Some movies are just fun and that's what they are. And that's okay. Um, we are here to analyze movies. And so that's what I've been doing. <laughs> you're, you're better for seeing this movie. Can you acknowledge that? You're better for I, it. I would not say I'm better for having seen this movie. <laughs> I will say that I saw it and there were parts that I enjoyed. Ryan, you're better for this, aren't you? Yeah. I think I am <laughs> better, better in that I know, I know now how I feel about this movie. Uh, who wins this movie? I think you got some candidates here. Who wins this yeah. movie? Um, I, I think Catherine Bigelow's wallet. First of all, that wins. Yeah, Catherine's Catherine Bigelow wins. Her good wallet wins. Good for her, man. Um, I think. Uh, James Cameron's this, wallet wins. Uh, his wallet always wins. Yeah. So. <laughs> um, I think uh, the future of action movies from here on out, I think The Matrix wins. I think John Wick wins. Um, yeah, just imagine think, if Keanu doesn't get this part. I think he dies. Yeah. Like, he goes away because, like, Three Musketeers, he's not an artsy movie. They were trying to make him all these artsy things, and he was never these guys. Like, he couldn't be these guys. He's just not. And they tried so hard. There were like several other movies that they tried to make Keanu Reeves like a serious actor. And that's just not him. Have you ever? I'm sure you have. Uh, Ryan just watched it for the first time a couple months ago. Francis Ford Coppola's Dracula. Yeah. He's he's in that. Oh, man. Woof. Yeah. It's just not, it doesn't work on any level. And I just, I hate, I really hate ragging on him because he really does seem like just an incredible guy. And he's and got a when, great career. We're not going to say yes. he's done a great job. Like his career is awesome. And there are so many things he's been in that I love and that he's good in. It's just that like, that's not who he is. He's action guy. And I think he needed 
whether or not I think he's good in this is a different question, but I think he needed a movie like this to catapult him into the stuff that he's actually really good at. Would agree. Peaceways wins because yeah. he gets the one role as a bad guy that we kind of needed him to be in his career and he gets to play it uh, at the height of his powers. Not late in his career, not when he's you know on the brink of, of death, which he's still acting all the way up to his death. Give him credit for that. Um, but this is height of his powers, cashing in, playing the bad guy. Great stuff. We win there. That wins. What else wins? Anything else wins? Gary Busey, I would argue, wins. <laughs> Gary Busey wins. Gary Busey wins a little bit here. Meatball sandwiches. Uh, it, Meatball sandwiches, sandwiches win. Just have a moment here. They that's win great. here. Yeah, that's a big win for them. Makes me kind of want a meatball sandwich, just not in the car. Is this a win for Hawaiian shirts, or does this set Hawaiian <laughs> shirts back ten years? I think this might be a net is, loss for Hawaiian shirts. This is a win for surfing, man. Win for surfing. A win for win skydiving. For yeah. A win, win for, for X game sports, like Adrenaline Beach, yeah. California Broski sports. Even though I would argue that the the point of the film is to not become an adrenaline junkie, but that is kind of like it just makes it look very cool. So yeah. I could see, especially in the '90s, um, you know, like X games and surfing and skateboarding and snowboarding became like really fucking popular. So I, I think uh, this movie probably had a little bit to do with that. I'm, I don't have the facts and figures in front of me, but I find it hard to believe it didn't. Um, a win for the yeah. makers of Scrubs because they knew as soon as they <laughs> saw this, they're like, you know what? We're going to make a show about a hospital one day and we've got Dr. Cox. It's John C. McGinley. Here he is. He's just going to play this guy. I isn't like, am I insane? And I rewatched Scrubs in a really long time. Is, He's awesome is there in an Scrubs. episode with Gary Busey in it? There probably like, is. We should like go look that up. Like a cameo or something? Could be. We should look that up. Scrub. He's great in Scrubs. I would argue John C. McGinley. It's like one of my 10 favorite characters in television history is uh, Dr. Perry Cox. He's the best. Oh, he, he's absolutely fantastic in that show. I Man, I love Scrubs. I haven't watched that in forever. Yes, yes, I was right. <laughs> you nailed it. <laughs> I I wonder if they're like buds. I think that would be so cute. Maybe they go back to it. You wonder if Gary, what if John C. McGinley goes to Gary Busey and the man in the set of Scrubs and goes, hey, dude, do you remember Point Break? Wasn't that fun? And he goes, Point Break? What was that? Tell me all about that. it. What was going on? He's like, you don't remember playing Angelo Pappas in Point Break? You know, Utah, give me two, you know, all that stuff. I'm yeah. Gary Busey. I don't remember anything from the early 90s. <laughs> <laughs> It's, it's just six years of a total blur for Gary Busey. He just doesn't know anything. He left I mean, 1989, woke up in 96. They're like, you know, Gary, you have like 12 film credits to your name in the last 12 years. He's like, what? He, he looked at all of them and went, hey. <laughs> <laughs> I was in the firm? What? <laughs> all right. Your teeth, Ryan, your teeth aren't nearly big enough to totally yeah, pull you gotta off. Put in the You got to put in the fake teeth to do the Gary Busey. <laughs> You be careful. I'm going to do that for Halloween one year. Would this film be better? Uh, would this film be better with Carrie Fisher, Rihanna, or Sebastian Stan? <laughs> so I think Sebastian Stan could play Johnny Utah. Yes. Oh, Sebastian Stan is be... Johnny Utah. Could he be Bodie? I think he could be Bodie. Because uh, think... they remade this, but they screwed it up. They, it wasn't nearly as good when they remade this. They need to remake it right now with Sebastian Stan. I want to I want to point out again, and we've discussed this before. The remake is, is terrible. Don't watch it. I want to point this out again. 
that remakes like this don't work because the tone pre 9-11 in movies was so whimsical that you could suspend your disbelief for two hours while you watched this movie in 1991. And in 2015, that was absolutely not happening. No. Very fair. You can't have, and it's no such thing as fun in a movie anymore. There's no fun. Nobody can have any fun. I think, I think we're moving back towards that a little now that we've had some, some space, but yeah, like there's something about movies specifically that were made in the nineties as though there was no, um, no like outward conflict. Like what a time to be alive, Lauren. God, you would have loved it. You would have loved the nineties. I was there. Um, I know that's hard for you to believe, but I was in fact there. But you weren't the really whole, the there. Like you weren't in your formative years there. I mean, the whole weren't... time, the whole time, all 10, <laughs> all 10 of those years. Um, Were you there but, all 10? Well, I was born in 91. <laughs> so born in 91, but you were still crapping yourself in the mid nineties. Like that, <laughs> that doesn't count. You, you weren't living the, living the years like, like, uh. Like us, I wasn't, like us I wasn't a teenager, I guess, but I was there. I remember. That's true. Like kind of like me in the eighties. Like I was there yeah. for the eighties. I was there for the bulk of the eighties, but I'm still a nineties child. You know, I think so. But I feel, I feel like movies that were made in the nineties and that's not specific to point break or action movies, just like movies in general that were made in the nineties were a little bit more, uh, like frivolous, uh, a little bit more fun, a little less dark a little less grungy and a little more uh fantastical and ridiculous and a little bright and yeah you could have some brighter colors you could have some sunlight in a in a, in a 90s movie sometimes that's too uh to a positive i think for action movies that was definitely too a positive like this and and independence day and those you know kind of everything in between i think that is a positive i think for things like horror movies that is a major negative Fair. I really, really hated horror movies that came out in the 90s, except the Scream franchise, basically. Um, and I I think after 9-11, I think you can, you can definitely, it, you can see there's like a line in the sand that we stopped making movies like that. And I think we're starting to get back to a place where maybe we're not making movies like that that are um, completely devoid of any outside uh, conflict in the actual real world the way that movies in the 90s are made but we're starting to get back to a place where um movies are starting to feel fun again i think um i think this past year i think this year and last year are really good examples of that um even outside of like marvel movie style blockbusters you're you know getting like like I've talked about Barbie already at the top of this, you're getting uh, everything everywhere all at once, which is a fantastic movie. And it's also fun and bright and ridiculous. I think we're starting to get back there. I don't think we ever fully will. And I think I'm okay with that kind of mixture, that kind of mixture of frivolity, but also like, like we're not ignoring the reality of the world that we live in. Which is awful. <laughs> and if you want to put in Rihanna in the role of Tyler, like, I'm I'm fine with that. <laughs> yeah, I'd take that. I'm there's I no like that, no issues here. Zero. Like that you waited for my rant to be over to be like, this I just gotta I just gotta say. <laughs> I just everything I co sign on everything you say, Lauren. And Rihanna can be in this film. <laughs> Oh, 
Um, last one. Could this be a 10 episode TV show on Hulu? No. Would you watch this for a 10 episode arc? Would you? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> two hours already felt a little bit much. There are two skydiving scenes in this movie about surfing. So you mean we couldn't stretch this out and really make this the Bodie in Utah, like really flush out that relationship that they have and that Don't romance? Feel like it needs- <laughs> we could do like you know the, the I think that could be good the bromance of of Bodie in Utah. You don't think we could do ten episodes of that? I don't actually. <laughs> um, I think this film does it just fine. I think they're good. I don't uh, think that action movies should be longer than two hours. I'm with you, like there. in any format. Yeah, I think we can agree that that's good. Uh. Lauren, I had so much fun. Ryan, you guys, I had so much fun on this podcast. I can't even tell you this. I know we do a lot of movies here and sometimes we love them and sometimes we don't, but I love it when the movie is talkable, like when we can really have some dialogue and I feel like this movie delivers on that. Um, We've got some others coming up soon. Uh, We're going to go new with the next one. Ryan's got the pick and Ryan's going with the favorite. Now I've never seen this. And I'm frightened. Um, it's very, uh, it's very different from Point Break. You sure? Hey, God, I really like another I, Point Break. I just, I let me let me just preface this movie. If if people are going to watch along with us by saying this is one of my top ten favorite movies of all time. See, he uh, always does that. He does the favorite movies of all time thing, and said one of guilty. This is one of my favorite movies of all time. I don't have many favorite movies of all time. Well, you hopefully have 10 because uh, otherwise that's a weird list. You said it's a top 10 movie and you uh, don't have 10. It's, it's top 10. I'm pretty sure I've got 10. I can okay. get to 10. Point Break's uh, not in a 10? No. Uh, is it? Is it in your letterboxed four? Because I feel like Little Women it's, is. This is not in my in my letterboxed four. Little Women kind of fits in the same lane and I like Little Women more than I like the favorite. But okay. uh, Little Women know. might be my favorite movie of all time. That might let's be number one. Hang on a minute now. Let's. It's a nice fit. It's a good film. Really good. But let's calm down. It, might be my favorite movie of all time. Better than like no Country for Old Men. I've no I've been on the record saying that for me, it's the 2019 version of Little Women. Okay, fair enough. I'll let you have that. So here's how odd we're going to be in the next uh, month or so. We're going to do the favorite in a couple of weeks. That's Ryan's pick. Then Lauren's going to pass her pick and going to give it to me so that we can do the Podskers in uh, about six weeks or so, which is going to be a quad pod. It's going to be a Lauren, Ryan, Allison, Tim pod, the Podskers, where they're going to break it all down for you. Our experts, Ryan, Lauren, Allison, me hosting the pod, going to break it all down for you on who's going to win, who should win, and all of that good stuff. But in the middle, sandwiched in between, another crowd pleaser, courtesy of your guy, Tim. I am going to do another episode of Movie Star vs. Actor. And we're going to talk Burt Reynolds because we're going to do Smokey and the Bandit from 1978, I believe it is. And I cannot wait to see Lauren's reaction to Smokey and the Bandit. And I know you're fired up for it, Lauren. I will watch it. I am nervous. It's You want to talk about a classic? This is a classic. I have never, look, look, I have never seen 
anything with Burt Reynolds in it. Not really, you know. And he's a big, you you will not, you will not deny he's big star, height of his powers. This is height of his powers, Burt Reynolds, height of his powers. I'm a big height of his powers guy. I know. I know you are. You like Tom Brady for so long. Um, That's 20 years of accident. I'm aroused by excellence. I can't talk about, I mean, what what do you want me to say? I, you know, (laughs) I do love that phrase, as I've said many times. Um, Almost as much as she loves the phrase, money grows on trees. (laughs) Love it. Or that they print it in long sheets. Yeah, I'm sure they do. None of those sheets seem to make it to us, but you know, that's keep working on it. Um, yeah, I'm a little nervous about Smokey and the Bandit because it is it is from the 70s, right? When did it come out? 78. 78. But you got you get you get Bert, Jackie Gleason, Sally Field. I mean, what more do we need to do? I mean, what more can we talk about? I mean, true. I can't I wait to. Be, I think it'll be talkable for sure. It's a talkable pod. That's what all I want to do is it's yeah. talkable pods for me. Is right. That's all I. And I can't wait to play Rihanna, Sebastian Stan, or Carrie Fisher in that one. <laughs> that'll be. <laughs> I can't wait for that reaction. I don't. I don't know what this movie is about. I'm going to be truthfully honest with you, but uh, Burt Reynolds is Sebastian Stan. I'm putting it on the line right now. We'll see how it shakes. We're going to do a tale of the tape between Burt Reynolds and Sebastian Stan. That's going to be really good. <laughs> All right, everybody. I want to thank you for listening to the pod this week. As, as you know, you can find everything at timpodcast.podbean.com. You can click Peak Cinema in the search and check out all the episodes of Peak Cinema that we've done. Listen to the entire archive. You can also subscribe to all the recent podcasts at Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Um, you, you can find a lot of our pods on YouTube at the Tim Anderson Podcast channel. Uh, you can look that up and get a lot of those episodes there. Anywhere you get your podcasts, please subscribe. Like, tell a friend, leave a comment. I would appreciate it. Until next time, for Lauren, for Ryan, this is Tim saying, keep your head up and we'll see you.